Williams wide left, Crabtree slot left. Gore goes slot right. Empty backfield. Shotgun Smith. Saints bring extra man. Alex going to boot to his left and run. He's going to run it 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. Do you believe it? The play of dreams. Welcome to the Fourth and Gold Podcast. My name is Javier. I'm back here with Matt. What's going on, Matt? How you doing? I'm good. We are back. It's been a while. We had, we had some. You had some misadventures on your end, man. Yeah, I got sick. Um, we had a lot of rain here in Austin. Lost power. We were supposed to record. Lost power. Then I got sick because of the rain and all the pollen and dust and everything else that comes up with the heavy downpours we got. We got a lot. We had like some flash flooding and stuff like that. I live outside of Austin, so a little bit more country area. So. Um, a lot of backed up water lines and things like that. Um, almost fully recovered. Just drinking my vitamin C, and hopefully uh, for you guys listening, you don't get annoyed with my sniffles. It's just uh, can't get rid of it just yet. Yeah, you don't sound like Kermit the Frog, so you know, small victories here. So. Yeah, definitely. I did earlier in the week. Um, thank goodness that's gone. Hot tea and soup will take care of that. Um, but this is the Fourth and Gold podcast. We can be found on all your uh, podcast platforms: Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher. You name it, we're pretty much on all those. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Forty Nine or Forty Nine and at Matt Bar underscore for Matt. Okay. Um, so did you get about the underscore, the underscore. About the underscore. So this is a small world. I got a buddy of mine that works for NFL One Hundred, and okay. he gets an email. He gets an email one morning. Said, hey, we want to interview this guy. He's an actor. He's a big football guy. We want to interview him. And uh, no shit, it's the Matt Bar. Like the Matt the Bar? actual guy. Yeah. The the Matt Bar actor. It threw my <laughs> buddy for a loop because he's like, Why are we interviewing my friend? He's an idiot. Yeah. But so it, so I told him, if we ever want to be friends, you know, you you gotta do this for me. You gotta step up, you gotta get that Twitter handle for me. So there, <laughs> there, this could be a developing situation. Something to Breaking keep an eye news. on. I'm really excited. This is this is cool. I think he's supposed to interview him next week. So once once that goes down, and if I can get that Twitter handle, I'll owe my buddy um, a whole mess of beers. Yeah, that's that'd be cool. No underscore anymore. Um, to, if you're hearing this, it'll be you'll be hearing this on a Monday. Recording on a Sunday. Tucker Woods just won the Masters. That Go was Tiger. pretty damn awesome. Uh, Game of Thrones starts tonight. Final yeah. season. I don't know about you, but I rewatched. Uh, HBO had like a marathon daily. They would play a season. So right now, season seven is on. I uh, I've seen I've seen it recently, so I'm not gonna watch it again. But I I did rewatch six, five, and four the last couple of days. So Game of Thrones should be dope. Over under on wait. deaths in the uh, first episode. I'm gonna go with like three and a half. Three and a half. So you said yeah. I'm I'm mashing the over on that one, man. <laughs> I'm mashing the over. We're gonna get some sort of red wedding shit right out the gate. I, I, I have a feeling. Oh man, that's the most uncomfortable. We were talking about that the other day. That's the most uncomfortable. <laughs> that and the uh, Battle of the Bastards, like that's just those claustrophobic, just, man. Oh, it's like chest was caving in. It was, it was insane. But yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I'm not too much of a TV guy, but for Game of Thrones to be back, I'm, I'm pretty stoked. Um, Hell yeah! So that should be good. That'll be on in a couple hours. Again, if you're hearing this, you'll be hearing this on a Monday. So by then, we will know what had happened on uh, Game of Thrones. Um, this tonight, uh, the Niners start their. Uh, 
off-season workouts tomorrow, so most yep. guys should be in the building. Um, hopefully, we have a full attendance. That would be great. Um, usually, this is voluntary, so most guys, they don't have to show up, but uh, according to Instagram and Twitter, most guys seem to be in the area from what they're posting picture-wise. Um, Nick Mullins, McGlinchey, and, and um, Joe Staley had posts for picture outside the stadium, so I would assume that would they're going to be there tomorrow for spring workouts and things like that. So I'm excited. Football is getting closer. The draft is getting closer. Uh, we have a lot to cover. Um, let's start with the uh, almost Goskowski kicker news that we almost had but didn't have. Um, yeah, the 24 <laughs> hours of excitement where we thought we might be getting a new kicker and trading Robbie Gold for Khalil Mack. I mean, yeah, that would have really, been it was there. amazing. It was there. Um, yeah, you know, it, it doesn't surprise me that the team is trying to kind of strong arm Robbie Gold at this point and and force his hand to sign the tender because he still hasn't signed his tender yet. Yeah, he's been tagged, but he's he's. I mean, I don't think he's going to pull a Le'Veon Bell, but he could. He yeah, could. I don't think he will. Uh, I, I don't think he's in the same situation that Le'Veon Bell was in. Where I don't think if Robbie Gold sits out a year, he's just gonna get a bajillion dollars next year, no. like uh, like Bell got from the from the Jets. I mean, so, he's making five million if he signs a tender. So, yeah, yeah, uh, Goskowski. I have a feeling that that news was leaked by his agent mm-hmm. to Matt Mayoko, who's the one that broke it. Yeah, and that was to light a fire under Bill Belichick and the Patriots to get a deal done. Yeah, I mean, the Goskowski's been pretty much uh, automatic. He's been, I think, second to uh, Robbie Gold in, you know, his com- his conversions on uh, field goal attempts and point at point after attempts. So um, mm-hmm. I was a little, you know, I, I feel I kind I get what Robbie's doing. You know, he wants to be close to his family. Um, he does miss, miss Chicago, those things like that. But, um, you know, it's uh, you you were brought in after the Chicago had cut you. You got a second chance. A lot of kickers don't. A lot of kickers get second chances, but um, he he's fully redeemed himself. He's been pretty much automatic. For the Niners, you know, from under 40, um, 40 yards away. So I I get what he's trying to do. I understand that I have a family of my own, but, you know, you're getting paid. The Niners have been good to you. I don't see why, what's the issue? You know, sign a deal or just sign your tender. And after the tender's done, you know, maybe next year you move on, you go to Chicago, whatever you want to do. But um, I say just do it and, and let's get this thing going. Yeah, no, I'm with you. It's just, it's time to, it's time to just make his move. I, I think he's... It's it's just it's, like I said, it's time. Sign yeah. the tender. Let's just get it. Tender, let's man. get it. One more year. If you don't like it in San Francisco, you want to move back to Chicago. That's fine. Uh, I heard a rumor that he was living out of a hotel while in yeah. San Francisco. So I, I don't think it's home for him at all. No, not but, yet. But uh, yeah, five million dollars, man. Just sign the damn tender. Yeah, it's um, it should be done. You know, John Lynch and Kyle. From everything, everything we've heard and read, you know, he, he's they've been they've treated him well and. Um, done right by him. They've done right by most of their players, you know, with releases and signings and, you know, things like that. So, Robbie, if you're listening, if you're out there, just come on. We we need you this year. Um, we would appreciate your uh, your accuracy and your, your clutchness in some games. We may need you. So Yeah, one of my favorite drinking games on Sundays is uh, Robbie Gold is on a back. Take a drink. Yeah. Like, so. You know, we need to get drunk on Sundays. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Sunday fun days. Um. So you know, off the kicker news, the other the other big deal is uh, this political stance. You know, the Joey, not Joey, excuse me, the Nick Bosa. You know, he's a he's a Trump supporter, and I'm I'm a veteran. You're a veteran. Yep. I don't know about I don't know how you feel about certain things, but I 
I didn't go to war to ostracize people's political opinions. You know, I've been to the Gulf three times, been deployed several times over there. You know, I didn't, I didn't go to those countries to fight for our rights and those types of freedoms to come back and ostracize people. And the same would apply for Colin Kaepernick. For those of you guys who are listening, I'm mm-hmm. a full Colin Kaepernick supporter. Everything he's done. I'm not a Trump supporter, but at the same, in the same breath, I respect people's political views, whether right or wrong, because that is your right um, to have those opinions the way I, I have the right to have mine. So, um, you know, the, for the rhetoric out there, you know, they didn't, no one gave Cap this type of um, support and things like that. That's, you know, you, it, it just, the, the, the way the media portrays certain things, the, um, the narrative is controlled. So in this case, the narrative is controlled in, in the benefit of Bosa from what I've read. Um, as opposed to Colin, so I'm on both people's sides here. I don't. You have the right to your opinions and your political beliefs, whether right or wrong. So that's just where I stand on that. I'm I'm 100 with you. I stand behind Kaepernick. And I stand behind Bosa. If they want to express their their thoughts, their political leanings, whatever it is, they are absolutely 100 free to do that. It does not take Nick Bosa off my board. No, and we not just at all. need the damn draft to get here because this is we're at, we're at, this is it. We're at peak off season right now there's yep. nothing to talk about there's nothing to do so people just dig and they're just trying to pull stuff up and there's there's certain certain writers and and per, tv personalities radio personalities in the san francisco area they're saying oh it sounds like bosa doesn't want to be in san francisco i i don't believe that yeah i think he wants to be drafted as high as he can because that's the biggest paycheck yeah so it's all, it's, at the end of the day it's about a paycheck yeah if he supports President Trump, fine, whatever. I'm with you. I don't really, but it's not taking him off my board at all. No, it's it's about if you can play, and that you know the same thing applies for Colin. Colin, we know Colin can still play. Colin should still be in the league. His his uh, his views and his social stances are what keep the, kept him out of football. I don't I don't believe that for one second it was his ability to play that kept him out of football. That was just a controlled narrative by certain people who wanted to point out he's a one read quarterback. He's this. He's that. All you do is turn on the film, man. It wasn't. It's not terrible. He played under some pretty crappy offensive, you know, with uh, Jeep Christ, Jesus Christ, and yeah. uh, you know Jim Tom Sula. The Chip Kelly period was just a disaster. There's no talent around you. Most quarterbacks aren't going to succeed when your number one receiver is was Chris Harper at one point. Like, yeah. come on, you know, Quinn and, Patton. Yeah, no offense to those guys, and you know it, it is what it is. They're not they're not Anquan Bolden or Michael Crabtree, or Vernon Davis. You know when he when the Niners were humming, they had some very good talent there. Um, the mm-hmm. best player on the team was was Carlos Hyde those last two years. You know what I mean? Carlos Hyde and Colin Cameron were the two guys that carried the team. And you know you can't you can't be successful that way, especially with coaches who didn't know what the hell they were doing, and that also uh, hampered Colin's ability to succeed. Um, but no, Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, excuse me, he's not off my board for his political stances, same way as, you know, whoever may be on the 49ers who may, you know, fall in those, in those categories, all you gotta do is just, uh, scrub these people's Twitter timelines and, or their followers or Instagram, you'll see some of the things that these guys follow, you'd be, you'd be surprised, some things are, people hide in plain sight, so, you know, I wouldn't, I would take nothing from the Nick Bosa political stuff. Yep, it's just too much reading into it. That's all it is. Yeah. That's, that's where I believe. And if, if this were if this were truly an issue, we would have heard something from Ohio State. 
Yeah. You would have heard something from his teammates saying he's a racist. He he's difficult in the locker room. I can't wait to not be on this guy's team. We would have yes. heard something, and we haven't heard anything. It's not the case. So, you know, most of his teammates, most of if not all his teammates, support him. Um, when he went for the, uh, he was there at the the bowl game. You know, his teammates came up to him. You know, embraced him, and you know, happy to see him. It's just. He's probably a really good teammate, just like his brother. He has no off-field issues. He has nothing that's super concerning. Um, the only the only red flag on Bosa is his injury history. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a, that's a big concern. But um, I, I don't I don't have him off my board because of a couple tweets. So yeah, yep, absolutely not. We live I think in a, we can. We live in a I world we, where people value the internet people's internet opinions more than their actual actions. So yeah. it's yeah. just uh, it's sad to see. Yep, I think we can move forward from that. Um, yeah. Earlier uh, last week, I guess it's last week now because we're we're recording this on Sunday. Uh, I believe it was Tuesday. Matt Miller, NFL draft scout um, yep. from Bleacher Report, part of Stick to Football podcast. He came out with a rumor saying that the 49ers were focused on either Debo Samuel or Enkeel Harry from Arizona State at 36. What are your thoughts on that? I am a Nikhil Harry fan since the Michigan State game they played early in the season. I wasn't aware of how um, how much of a pro-style system Arizona State runs now with, um, who's their head coach now? It's, it escapes me. But anyways. Herm Edwards. Herm Edwards, yeah. They run it. Forks a, up. He, he, yeah, he, they run such a profes- uh, pro-style offense and defense. Um, at Arizona State, so but when I watched the Michigan State game, I think the final score was like thirteen to ten. When Arizona State needed a big play, it was Nikhil Harry. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went against their number one corner. He he would beat him for 50-50 balls. He made an insane falling backwards one handed catch in that game. Um, I like Nikhil Harry. He does have almost a full route tree. I haven't. I need to keep. I need to watch some more more tape on Nikhil. But he was my wide receiver one before the combine, um, and I still have him in my top five of wide receivers. So I would not be opposed to Nikhil Harry. He's actually my preference over Debo. Um, okay. But Debo Samuels did show out at the Senior Bowl, and mm-hmm. all comparisons show him, like we discussed a couple shows before, all comparisons see him as you know a Pierre Garcon 2.0, and we all see what Kyle Shanahan can do with a healthy Pierre Garcon type. So I would not mm-hmm. be opposed to Debo either, but in my personal preference, if the pick at 36 is going to be a wide receiver and it comes down to Nikhil Harry or Debo Samuels, I'm going to lean on the side of Nikhil Harry. Okay. That's okay. just where I, I like. I really, really like Nikhil Harry. Okay. Um, so I am kind of the opposite on this one. Uh, when I watch Harry, I, I think he's an electric guy after the catch once he has that ball in his hands he's i mean he's tough to bring down oh yeah. his size and speed so he ran a four five five i believe mm-hmm. at the combine which is not not burner speed but not slow by any stretch of the imagination either yeah. um so he's not going to tear away from guys but he is bigger than safeties he is bigger than corners yep so it is going to be difficult to tackle him i think the issue with him is and, and i wrote about this for 49ers hub last week too he becomes kind of a big slot guy because yeah. his route tree isn't Full. A lot of the stuff they had him running in Arizona State was, you know, go routes, bubble screens, hitches, stuff like that. Like little, little routes that don't require a whole lot of movement, which is kind of weird considering how good his body control is. You'd think they'd want him, yeah, running other stuff, slants, posts, flags, stuff like that. But 
um, I think he would be a big slot guy um, for 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 Shanahan, and as opposed to Debo Samuel, who I believe can play all over. I think okay. a lot of people are going to try and put him in the slot for a little bit. I don't understand that. He's an outside guy. He played yeah. outside his entire time in South Carolina. I think he should stay out there. And his route, his route running is incredible. That's his, yeah. that's his best trait, and that's something that that Shanahan loves. I mean, he reminds watching some of the tape. It reminds me of looking at Pettis mm-hmm. when Pettis was just smoking dudes, like the the Broncos game, where he just left the corner in the dust. He's standing all the way in the corner of the end zone by himself on a fade. Yeah, um, it wasn't even a fade at that point. It was just he just juked the guy out of his shoes and he's just standing there. Um, Samuel kind of reminds me of that. I wouldn't mind having him on the outside. I personally don't want to go wide receiver at thirty six. I know we'll 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 get further into a, a mock draft next week with the with next week's episode. Yeah, um, pre draft. I'm I'm an offensive line truther at thirty six. That's what I think they should do. Um, but if it is going to be a wide receiver at thirty six, I would rather have Debo Samuel. Just personally. Yeah, that's fair. You know, we have our we both have our preferences. If if he is a big slot guy at six two, you know the. The, you know, the, the, the big slot guy that you see, you know, Juju, Larry Fitzgerald, those are bigger slot guys, and I wouldn't mind mm-hmm. the Niners running an offense like that. You know, you line them up in the slot, you have Kittle on the opposite side or, you know, in line, in line with Kittle. That's a, you know, that could be a mismatch nightmare for safeties, corners, linebackers, you name it. Um, and with Debo, you know, if you can have that and then you move, you can move Pettis to the slot, then you can move uh Marquis Goodwin's just like, you can you can do a whole bunch of combinations there. I think the Niners are in a great position at 36. Mm-hmm. Uh, with everything that I've read, it sounds like there's going to be at least 24 defensive players taken in the first round. So we should have our pick of the litter at 36 with offense or defense because or well in the safety category to be in in that in that sense. Um, yeah, I saw a crazy uh, betting line of like. 24 and a half for defensive players um, in the first round. So that would wow. leave quite a bit of offensive players, uh, you know, going in the second round. I think there's going to be a run on wide receiver in that second round. So I think the Niners would go that route. Um, I'm with you on the offensive line, too. I would not mind, you know, a Dalton Reisner if he's there. Ooh, um, you know, even for some, if for some crazy reason, you know, Lindstrom is there from Boston College or if even if Garrett Bradbury would fall, you know, who knows if that's a case, but I don't, I don't think that will be a case there yeah. for him. But there's some really good offensive line talent there at 36. Um, or the Niners could still have their pick of the litter by making a, you know, a small trade back from 36 to acquire an additional fourth or an additional fifth round pick to, you know, to bolster that draft capital that they have um, and still land a solid wide receiver um, in round two or round three. So. Yeah, the cool thing about this year's draft is that it is loaded with talent for the first three rounds. I mean, there's going to be teams getting steals in the third round just because there's guys that were were better than them, perceived or true, whatever it is, were better than them at that position and were drafted much earlier. But there's it's a deep draft. This is a mm-hmm. fun one. This is one where I'm kind of upset the Niners don't have their usual like 10 picks. Yeah. So only having five or six now because they got the comp pick. Mm-hmm. is is tough. It's tough. So if they move back from 36 and they picked up an additional second and a third, like, I'd be completely cool with that. Yeah. Absolutely cool with that. Um, 
because there are there's there's going to be some guy that drops to 36 that has no business being there at 36. Yeah, of course. So be, I, I have a feeling that's going to be a big target for a team to trade up just because the 49ers do lack the picks this year. Yeah, you know it, there was a there was a thing going on going around about um, Marquise Brown being the only wide receiver taken in round one, and that would leave a plethora of elite or should be elite wide receiver talent in that second round. You know, from AJ Brown to DK Metcalf. Um, to, you know, Nikhil Harry, Debo Samuel. So in, in that case, if someone really likes DK Metcalf at that 35, 36, 37 range, Niners have the ability to move back and still land the wide receiver that they want. You know, if, it, if it's someone who wants to come up a couple spots just to grab a wide receiver and they have to give up, you know, two picks and swap and the Niners, you know, have that outcome there, that'd be, that'd be great. Um, so, I mean, I'm excited. I wish the draft needs to be here already. I think they take too long between... The combine and the draft to get this stuff done. It's just you know it should be it should just be here. But I get it how they space things out. Um, they they always want to stay relevant in the news. So we had our preseason schedule last week. This week should be the regular season mm-hmm. schedule and then the draft. So they they do these stuff they do this stuff on purpose. But I'm yeah. I'm, I'm if we're if we're if we're debating Debo versus Nikhil, I mean I don't even go wrong with either. Correct. Know, I'm, I'm gonna lean Harry. You lean Debo. And I think we'd both be happy no matter what happens. So, correct. My yeah, my saying I'd rather have Debo does not mean I don't want Harry. Same because that's 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 an absurd thing to say. Either one of them would be an immediate starter for for the wide receivers. So I yeah, I'm not saying I don't want Harry. I'm saying I would rather have Debo. That's it. That's fair. Not a big deal. I think I think Niners will be fine with whatever wide receiver they take. Um, I have I have some I have faith in Kyle's selection of wide receivers, you know, with Pettis. Um and you know, you get your surprise undrafted free agent and you know, Kendrick Bourne, um, when Marquise is healthy, he's he can be a dangerous talent. I was just I was watching the Green Bay Packer game last night. Um, he just smoked that safety and corner for that deep mm-hmm. touchdown pass. It's you know, there there's talent on this team. It just needs to be uh, optimized and hopefully Jimmy's healthy. That's the big one. And things yep. will be um, heading in the right direction. Yep. Um, and then my guy Trent Taylor. You know, yeah. Number love fifteen, slot. Trent Taylor. Love, number fifteen, Trent Taylor. Yep, he changed his number. <laughs> um, and Jordan Matthews immediately picked up eighty-one. So it's not because they were they were retiring To's number. I think Trent Taylor yeah. wore number five in college. I believe it was. Yep. And I think he wanted something with a five in it. And he wasn't getting eighty. He wasn't going to wrestle eighty-five away from Kittle. So no. fifteen was the move. George George is keeping eighty-five. That's just a. That's just how it goes. That's a, that's a 49ers tight end number, and it just needs to stay that way forever. Only yeah, tight ends keep it that, that are really, really good are allowed to wear that number. Like 80, 84 through 80, 88, just keep those as tight end numbers. I, I'm, I'm cool with that. Um, well, Born wears 84. Yeah. Well, and 87 is retired. Yeah. But Kendrick, whatever. Kendrick had to give me 10 to get, to get 84. But yeah, it's true. I, yeah, we digress. Um so the Niners have their 30 visits. Um, I think what's notable here, who's not visiting, which kind of leads towards, I guess, for me, Mike McGlinchey didn't visit last year. And Correct. Rashawn Gary, is he was scheduled to visit, but he's no longer going to visit. Does that raise an eyebrow for you? Or is it just going to be Bosa or Quentin Williams at two? Uh, so just looking at last year and who visited 
and is now part of the team. Dante Pettis visited. Fred Warner brought, was brought in for a visit. Mm-hmm. And so was Tafaris McFadden. So only three of the guys that ended up part of the rookie group last year were were visiting. So these these visits aren't necessarily an end-all, be-all. These are the only guys they're going to touch. These are the only guys they're going to draft. It's not how it works. Last year is very famous because they didn't bring in McGlinchey, and then that's why it was such uh, a shock to everybody at nine, I think. I mean, I know I was shocked when it yeah. took McGlinchey. I didn't see that one coming at all. Um, so I do think it's Bosa or Williams at two. Um, but Rashawn Gary not visiting – I don't know which end that is. Like, I don't know who canceled. So yeah, I I'm not as I'm not as uh, down on Gary as a lot of people. You know, he was disruptive. We'll we'll talk about Chris Sims in a second. But Chris Sims has this thing called "fuck the play up," and Gary was one of those guys. I'm a Big Ten guy, so I watched a lot of Michigan football. He was constantly in the backfield. Um, his sack numbers may not show that, but that same you know he's a young per he's a young player. He's still developing. Um, he doesn't know what he doesn't know when it comes to his potential and his, and his defensive moves. Um, something that I, I noticed yesterday, I was on ESPN draft track, draft tracker. They have Quinn Williams one, and then number two here shows best available Nick Bosa. So if for some reason the Arizona Cardinals take Quinn Williams, that number two pick becomes really really valuable. And if they do trade back, and Gary happens to be a guy that is available, you know, say, let's just say Bosa's gone, Josh Allen's gone, and Montez Sweat is gone, and the only guy, you know, the other two pass rushers are Brian Burns or um, Rashawn Gary, then, you know, you start really looking at, whoa, 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 who, who fits better here or there? Um, I would lean Brian Burns. That's just my, that's my draft crush the last six, five months. Mm-hmm. But um, if Gary is there, I would not rule him out. Um in the first round, I don't know how people will feel about that. He has that he has that Solomon Thomas feel as far as you know the tweener. He can play inside yes. and out, uh, but I don't mm-hmm. want any more tweeners. We've no. seen that what happened with with Solomon. Hopefully, he plays more inside. If not, then I don't know what the hell they're doing with him on, on this defense. Yeah, no, Gary is one of those guys that you know he was the number one prospect coming out of high school, and he was the number one guy to sign in Michigan. And then he he didn't really have the numbers that, mm-hmm. that backed that up in Michigan, but he did. He was a disruptive guy, like you said. Um, the issue I have with with Gary is he's going to be overdrafted. Yeah, I think Gary would be a great pick at the end of the second round, and some team is going to take a flyer on him at like twenty four. I mean that's I know that's the Raiders, but some team is going to take a flyer on him, and. I don't know. I think it's either the end of the first or beginning of the second, and I think he's in more of an end of the second guy. If the if the pick is two, if the pick at two is Rajon Gary, I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> I'm going to destroy my 65 inch TV, and my wife's going to be very upset with me. So I really hope that's not the case. Yeah, really hope that's not the case. Um, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure if, if the the canceling of the visit is is a is a smokescreen or whatever else you know teams are doing now. So we'll, we'll we'll have to wait and see. We'll yeah. Have to wait and see. The other I'm vis- just, I it's go ahead. no no it's no I'm I'm with you. I'm not going to be I wouldn't be super happy with the pick. Um I probably would grab a beer and go outside and th- gather my thoughts. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh the other visit that it was um two visits that actually perked my attention or you know had my 
And Tana's up was the Terrell Hanks from New Mexico State. He's an outside linebacker. The Niners, mm-hmm. we, there's this discussion on who's going to play Sam. Um, and Sam plays, what, 30, 30 to 35% of the snaps. So Terrell yeah, Hanks. Last year was 34%. Yeah, so Terrell Hanks, a guy that can play the Sam position. Um, he could be, you know, a third, fourth round pick. You know, the Niners are looking to improve at all positions except quarterback, uh, like John and, and Kyle keep saying. So Terrell Hanks mm-hmm. is a guy that I have my eye on. And the other one is, we talked about this before, about building the offense through the tight end position. Noah Fant. Noah Fant yes. on the visit. So this is where, again, kind of takes me back to the point of what if Quinn and Williams is taken first and and the Oakland Raiders say, hey, we want Kyler Murray. We're going to come to two to grab him so that way the Giants don't jump us or or a team like the Dolphins or the Jaguar, the Jags can, you know, look for a quarterback in this draft too. Um, there's teams out there who want to make a who want to make a trade for a quarterback, um, and you you acquire two first round picks. Teams that have them, you know, Oakland is the is the obvious one with four. If we go back to four, and then let's just say Noah Fan. From what everything that I've seen, Noah's going to be in that fifteen to twenty five range. So twenty four might be the sweet spot for a Noah Fan, and you go that way. And I would not be opposed to a offense similar to what the Patriots ran with. Um, Hernandez and Gronk without the murder, we should be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should be in, in good shape. And then of course with the multitude of running backs, that would be a pretty dangerous offense, um, especially if Russell Wilson's gone out of the division. Yeah, so with Noah Fant, he's one of those guys I can see falling. Yeah. Just because the the scouts and, and teams seem to be really split on him. Mm-hmm. Some people are like saying, Oh, he's tight end one, he's the best guy, he's so athletic, it's something we want. And there's other guys going, hey, he's got a case of the dropsies. We don't really want to deal with mm-hmm. him. Like, his athletic ability doesn't trump everything else. He can't block. Yada, yada, yada. Well, guess what? Kittle can block. Yep. And Shanahan does nothing but scheme tight ends open. Correct. I would absolutely – I would rather have Noah Fant than Debo Samuel or Enkil Harry. I'll say that right now. <laughs> I would rather have two those two guys because Kittle played 87% of the snaps last year. That is a shitload of snaps to play yeah. for a tight end. If we can get somebody that can spell him, and let's say we run a two tight end set, 40% of the time. Mm-hmm. Worth it. Worth it. Absolutely worth it. Because both guys are going to end up playing 80% of the snaps, and one of them is going to be on the field at all times. And the thing with Fant, he's a – I know we said – this is like our favorite saying on this damn podcast. He's a chess piece. And if Fant wants to line up out wide, he wants to line up in the slot, he wants to line up next to, next to Kittle, he wants to line up on the offside side of Kittle – a lot of stuff you can do with him. Mm-hmm. And I am a big Noah Fant guy. I know our draft guy, Zach Pratt, he he was I was talking to him about it. He would be ecstatic if it, if the pick was was Fant at 36. You know, we'll see. I would like I said, I would rather have a second tight end than another wide receiver just because I think it, it opens up so much, especially in the running game. Shanahan loves to run the ball. We got a bevy of awesome running backs. I would love to see a, another tight end added. Yeah, no, and I'm, I think if, I'm if it's fan, I'm if it's fan, I'm I'm over the moon. I mean, last year they only ran two tight end sets, I think twelve percent of the time. But I mean, Ross Dwelly and Garrett Selleck were backing up Kittle, so I mean, yeah. you, you know, it you put talent on the field is what happens. Yeah, you get guys, you get guys that are good, and then you adjust your scheme based on the talent you have. You don't try and s- stick a square peg into a, in a round hole. Yeah, I'm I'm not opposed. Um, Again, that's a Big Ten thing. I watched a lot of Iowa football. You know, 
Hawkinson and Noah Fant um, were just just hard to handle. And if you can have a combination of Kittle and a Noah Fant, or you know, or any type of tight end similar with those, you know, the skill set, it's going to create a problem for opposing defenses. Um, but those those two those two visits or meetings or whatever you want to call it, um, you know, raised a couple raised my eyebrows, and I was like, oh wow. Um, the other visits were the obvious ones, you know, Josh Allen, Nick Bosa, um, Debo, Montez Sweat, Quinton Williams, you know. Mm-hmm. Those are those are the obvious ones. Um, they they are showing some interest in some linebackers, which makes me you know, which may not mean good things for guys like Malcolm Smith, uh, Mark Nazacha, things like that. If they're looking to get, obviously in, improve at those positions. So, Dre uh, Green Greenlaw from Arkansas and then Terrell Hanks from New Mexico State, as we as we stated. Um, yep. And I'm, I think I'm sure uh, I think Nazacha's roster space is safer than Malcolm Smith. Yeah. Just because Nazacha is. A, fantastic special teams guy so i think if there's that they bring in a, a linebacker and they draft one to play sam i think that malcolm smith is the odd man out because mm-hmm. he doesn't play special teams yeah and, and zacha does and then Josh can play sam as well so you know i i think i think malcolm smith's on his last offseason with this team i don't think he makes the roster yeah, I I, ha- I highly doubt he makes the roster as well with restructuring his contract. I don't know the details of what the dead money would be or those things like that. I haven't looked at it. I honestly just really didn't care. I'm, I'm kind of over the Malcolm Smith era. <laughs> um, yeah. We were talking about tight end. The other tight end that I actually like is Josh Oliver. He's he's expected for a visit. And the other one that I, we talked about, me and you just talked about in the sidebar, was uh, Dawson Knox from Ole Miss. I would not be opposed to him being taken later. I'm all for improving that second tight end spot. We saw when Kittle is doubled, tripled, you don't have the other tight end making plays. And uh, I don't know what was going on with um, Garrett Selleck, but it is time to improve that second tight end spot. So I would not be opposed to them taking one either, you know, third, fourth, fifth round, sixth round, excuse me, because they don't have a fifth rounder. Um, Yeah. Josh Oliver could be a guy in a trade back scenario where the Niners have that additional pick and he can be the guy. He's expected in for a visit, or he's already done that visit. Um, so I'm not opposed there either. And the, the nice thing about Josh Oliver is he's local. So yeah. San Jose State. So they actually get to do the local pro day with him, and that doesn't count against them as one of the three visits. And that's, visits. Uh, that'll be on Wednesday, the 17th. Yep. So, so yep. Yeah, yeah. So they'll have that. So a couple guys, San Jose State. Uh, and then, of course, the kicker, Alex Vega from Cal Poly. He's not related to me at all, I don't think. Uh, since our last names are the same, I get that a lot. Are you related to this person? <laughs> no. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's it's, uh, it's 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 draft season, so everything and anything's on the table. And you know, tight end is a position of need. I think uh, that second tight end position. Excuse me, um, linebacker, and then of course we need that pass rusher. So those those three spots, and then whatever else they do in the draft, wide receiver, O line. We, we should expect those to be selected in, in this draft. At least if they say it's all six picks, I would fully expect them to address those five spots. Yeah, and, and the interesting thing about the pre-draft visits, too, is out of all the position groups that are represented, there are no safeties. None. There are no offensive linemen. Nope. And then no quarterbacks, but we kind of expected that one. But no offensive linemen and no safeties, um, and only one corner. Two corners, excuse me. Yeah. Um, but one of them, my man, Jimmy Moreland. So, got a little 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 inside tip. Um, 
that he's scheduled. It said the report was he's scheduled to come to a pre-draft visit, and that is not the case. So they're not bringing him in for a visit. However, they did hold a private workout for him the day after his pro day, okay. and some coaches were in attendance for that one, not just scouts. Jimmy Moreland. So that is that is the that's my breaking news. Not really breaking, <laughs> but that's my news, and that's that's my makes me feel like I'm I'm an insider today. Yeah, because um, I have that information. <laughs> um, not to not to correct you or anything, but yeah, there was actually two uh, pre work pre draft visit or pre work or semi private workouts with two linemen. Uh, the guy from Villanova, Hitner, and the uh, other one is Brendan Moore from Maryland. So. They, they did have some – I believe both those positions are guard. So I, I I would assume they're looking to upgrade the guard position. I would also assume that Josh Garnett's time with the 49ers is up. So it, it's certainly looking like it. I know last year during during training camp when he had that knee injury and he wasn't coming back, you could just see it in Shanahan's face. He's upset. That he was so disappointed. Yeah. And it sounded like he thought he could have come back and played, and that Josh Garnett was, was kind of nursing the injury, whatever it was. He just looked dejected when he was asked about mm-hmm. Garnett. And, you know, it's not, a, it's not a John Lynch pick. It's not a Shanahan pick. It was, it, was, it was our best friend that traded back into the first round, Trent Baalke. If people could see my face right now, like, yeah. I'm, I'm thoroughly – thoroughly over Josh Garnett and you know I don't like to talk bad about players but Garnett is a guy he took Josh Garnett when Miles Jack was on the board like I'm never gonna get over that I think you know at least until they you know until this regime fixes that wrong um and that's that's just that's just an annoying 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 pick I understand we needed a guard and that at that time but the needed linebacker was far greater than an offensive guard at the time. Yep. Especially with yeah. No, I, I, I still no. can't believe Ugh. it. I'd actually turned off the draft at that point um, <laughs> because I was at work. And uh, so I'd been watching on my phone, and that was the year we took Buckner at seven. Yeah. And That's... I was watching on my phone, and I was at work, and it's like, oh, they picked, they picked Buckner. Cool. That's who I wanted. I turned off my phone, and then I got, like, five text messages in a row from, like, random people going, what the hell are the 49ers doing? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I look it up, and they, they trade it back in the first get Josh Garnett, and I was just not happy. Yeah, no, I, I had texted a couple buddies. I'm like, oh, we're trading back in to go get Miles Jack. He's just sitting there, and then it's a guard. And I, yeah, I shut it off. I went to bed. It's um, it's it's a frustrating day. Draft day can be frustrating for fans. Draft day can be frustrating for analysts. Um, I'm sure the front office, they have their reasons for those things, but um, Trent Balkley, if you're out there listening, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, draft visits. I'm 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 ready for this draft to get here. I'm I'm almost tired of talking about it and looking at all these scenarios. It's just like, just get here ready. I I want to yeah. see what they do, and hopefully what they do in, improves this team, and things get better going forward. Yeah, I, I I'm so I'm so over mock drafts and and player interviews and stuff i'm just ready I, football just needs to be year round and it just needs they just need to play like 52 games a year so that way it's just constant what's the roster going to be like 170 yeah i'm with it okay. i'm with it right, so let's, right. let's just fold the aaf into, into the nfl <laughs> and let's just let's load up the rosters no no i'm with you though it's it's 
it's frustrating so, it to like so be so out. close yet so far away. It's 11 days away as we record. Yeah. 11. And so I actually, so I'm scheduled to be at work when the draft is going in the first round again this year. And I told my supervisor that I'm going to be <laughs> sick on the 25th. So, <laughs> so I already let him know that about halfway through my shift, I'm going to be sick and I'm going to need to go home. So yeah, I mean, I you know, would, it's, it's I always nice to, to it's always nice to pre, you know, pre-plan the the, the flu you're going to catch. Oh yeah, it, it does start in the middle of your shift. It does start uh, Thursday. I had it, I had my dates wrong. Um, I guess I might have to leave early from work that day because I get off at six, and that would be the start point of the draft. So by the time I get home, I would have missed the Niner pick because I live. Oh, about, yeah. I work about twenty five minutes from the house. Yeah. So looks like I may need to leave a half hour early. To get home in time. There you go. So here you go for all you listeners that might have to be at work. When the draft is going on, we have given you two very solid things to do. Yeah. Either pre-plan an illness or just kind of dip out early. Yeah. So Make sure you get to get there to see the pick too. Yeah. Because it's going to be a lot of fun. I have to I have to see it. That way I feel better about it. I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, went last year's, I went to last year's draft. That was cool. So it's to me, it's just a one-time thing. It's... Uh, I guess maybe because it was Jerry World, it was so overpriced. All the food and everything else you need. Um, but I did get to go in the stadium and watch the last 10 picks, which was really cool. Um, oh, there you go. But it's it's more of a one-time thing. You know, they keep doing it, moving around city to city. So I, I get it. Um, oh, I'm going to Vegas next year. I'm going. Is it, is it in Vegas next year? Oh, it's in Vegas next year. Okay. Because that's, that's it. the Raiders are, are going to be moving there next year. If, so they're going to do it there. Maybe, maybe. You never know what that is. But I'm going to Vegas. I'm, I'm going to go for the draft because <laughs> um, I remain undefeated against Vegas, which a lot of people can't say. So I'm excited. <laughs> the uh, other topic here we want to discuss was um, Chris Sims, close friend of Kyle Shanahan. So there may be some mm-hmm. bias in his analysis. I don't think there's bias here because I, I feel similar to what he was suggesting about Shanahan being um, more – or a more complete game planner. You have the quote, don't you? Yeah, I do. So, um, and a quote from Sims says, such respect for Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan is the better offensive game planner and play caller for me, though. And that's a direct quote from Phil Sims. Now, it should be noted that Phil Sims and Kyle Shanahan played football together at Texas. Yeah, well, not so, Phil, Chris. F- Phil's pop. Chris, yes. Yeah, <laughs> Phil's, yeah. Phil's the guy that got fired from Tony Romo. Yes. Um, Chris Sims and Kyle Shanahan are college buddies. I think they have roommates at some point. So there may be a little bit of bias in here, but I agree with Sims, and it's not a homer statement. I think it's not. we were talking about before we started recording. There was like three games that stood out. One's the Super Bowl, one is the Bears, and then one is the Eagles. Yep. And Sean McVay has a fucking fantastic plan A. But when you shut it down, he doesn't have a plan B. No, and not he, at all. He, he, he can't adjust. If you shut him down and you are one step ahead of him, he doesn't. He can't come back, and he keeps just trying to slam his head up against the wall. It's um, and it, it, it it's not due to limitations of the talent because the talent on his team, um, the last two seasons has been better than than that of Kyle's, um, mm-hmm. and to see Kyle have a team make plays with quarterbacks such as Brian Hoyer, C.J. Beathard, Nick Mullins, um, and then, of course, Jimmy. That's four quarterbacks. Um, Sean McVay has had the luxury of having, say what you want about Jared Goff, he do, he can make all the throws. He, you know, he makes his reads. I don't, I don't view him as a top 
ten quarterback, but he's in the he's in the top half of quarterbacks. Um, mm-hmm. he, they they are equipped with Todd Gurley, you know, um, Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, Brandon Cooper Cooks, Cup. Cooper Cup. You know, the the talent is better across the board for the for the Rams the last two years. So that that does help in his favor. Um, we'll see what they do without a Todd Gurley if they can make the adjustment with his knee issue that is apparently a big deal. Um, yeah, Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan the last two seasons has rolled out Carlos Hyde. Say what you want about Carlos. Carlos did, he did his job. Matt Breida, an undrafted free agent. Raheem Mostert, undrafted free agent. Jeff mm-hmm. Wilson, undrafted free agent. Mm-hmm. Um, he lost his number one running back and he had to make, he had to adjust on the fly and go with Matt Breida last year. Um, the wide receiver position, Pierre Garçon wasn't healthy. Pierre Garçon played what? 16 games out of the 32 that he was, he was able to. Um, yep. George Kittle had injuries his first year, and then obviously saw what he could do when he is healthy, and he did it with three different quarterbacks. Um, the game planning and the play calling, just guys running wide open, and it's not from the same formations as if you watch the Rams. The Rams run maybe eight or nine of the same formations and run a whole bunch of plays out of it. So it, you know they have their deception there, but if you can take away a few of those plays, things become difficult, and I believe... The Eagles, the Bears gave Bill Bel. I mean, I believe Bill Belichick knew what he was doing, but I gave. I believe he mm-hmm. they assisted him in his blueprint to beat the Rams in the Super Bowl by a- adjusting the defense after the snap. It just shows the concern with Jared Goff in college was he couldn't read defenses, and that was apparent versus the Eagles, the Bears, and then the Patriots in the Super Bowl. So, when if if your quarterback can't do that. And your coaching isn't isn't up to par or, or making the proper adjustments, you're not going to succeed. Whereas with Kyle, he had to roll roll out guys like C.J. Beathard, Brian Hoyer, and and Nick Mullins, and they adjusted accordingly when the defense showed different things. Um, it just I, I'm I'm on the Kyle Shanahan train, and there's a lot of plays that you see from Kyle Shanahan's offense incorporated in the McVay offense. Of course, they work closer together, so those things are there. Mm-hmm. They were both in Washington together. Uh, McVay mm-hmm. was the quarterback's coach when Shanahan was the offensive coordinator under Mike Shanahan, Daddy Shanahan. Yeah. And, um, yeah, no, it's it's just Shanahan has just this knack for play calling, and it's 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 fun to watch. 49ers offense is fun to watch when for the first time it, in though, a man. long time. Um, you know, we have to go back to almost when Kaepernick first took over, and it was that just excitement of the – of the read option. Mm-hmm. And that's the last time this 49ers offense was just fun to watch. Yeah. Um, it, I, lo- I really like McVay. I really re- respect McVay. I think he's that steel trap of information where he just never forgets anything. He remembers every play he ran in high school or some shit. Cool. But he gets, he gets put into a box. And when you come up against a defensive mind, like Bill Belichick or like Fangio, when he was with the bears, that's what's going to happen. Those guys know how to call defenses, and they're they're not the best in the business for no reason. Yep. And if you're going to be the best play caller in the business, you got to do more than remember what you ran on third and nine the freshman year of high school. Yeah. So, I I think Shanahan's a better play caller. I think McVay obviously inherited a much better roster, and I think he's got a better coaching staff around him. I think having Wade Phillips as defensive coordinator is huge. Yeah. Um, and he can pretty much just be completely hands-off on the defense. And you even see it on the, on the field. I mean, when the Rams' defense is on the field, he's sitting over with Jared Goff going over 
whatever plays. He's yeah. basically just an offensive coordinator that's a head coach. And you can say somewhat the same about Shanahan, but I think Shanahan focuses more on both sides of the ball. Yeah, a friend of mine who is a Rams fan, um, when Jimmy Garoppolo came over, maybe I think it was the Titans, the Texans game, um, he's like, Jimmy Garoppolo has a lot of freedom, doesn't he? I'm like, yeah, I think so. Um, and then he said, he's like, I think golf has a training wheel still put on him. And he explained yeah. to me why, and that was the whole thing of him discussing plays before the 15-second mark in his head um, at the line of scrimmage and then snapping the ball so fast to get your you know, to get your playoff. Whereas with the Niners, Jimmy Garoppolo had a specific game plan per week, um, and he had some freedoms to to do certain things within the offense, and he did so you know, with, with no limitation. Um, I mean, you saw it in the Jags game. They don't even run a QB sneak. He just goes up to the line and says, let's run it, and he runs it. And they, you know, they get their touchdown. They get their score. Um, yeah, Garoppolo, I don't even think he was listening to Shanahan on that call. Yeah. I think Shanahan was trying to trying to send in a play call, and, and Jimmy's just like, "Fuck it, let's go yeah. up the middle." And then you know, you have things where he, where Jimmy can make off schedule plays a little bit better. You saw that in the Minnesota game where he breaks out of mm-hmm. the pocket and he just throws the ball to Pettis. Um, oh, the several times, you know, the the, the side the sidearm sling versus the Jags. Uh, the play in the corner of the end zone versus the Titans where he hits Garrett Selleck. He's contr- he's moving receivers off their spots so that way they get into an open position. You don't really see that with Jared Goff. He needs things to be almost perfect within the structure of the offense. Um, and, you know, I'm going to agree with Chris Sims. Call me a homer or whatever, but I've, I've always I've felt this way. I, I didn't always – the whole narrative about McVay being this kid genius, it's like – Think about who he studied under. Like this, the, those things matter. You you gain your knowledge from other people. You, yes, he may have his own wrinkles in his offense, but his base is essentially, you know, Kyle Shanahan, Gary Kubiak, uh, Mike Shanahan type of offense. It's play action, heavy play action, um, and you have wide open, you know, over routes, post routes, crossing routes. They're wide open because of the play action that you set up. Um, but with Kyle Shanahan, he gets into a rhythm. When he gets into that rhythm. Watch out, and the team yeah. starts rolling. It, the, it's it's watch out. Yeah, we saw it. Um, I think the best time we saw it was in the second half of the Chiefs game. Yep. Before Jimmy's injury, I mean that offense was humming. They were moving the ball up and down the field with with. I mean, Kansas City's defense was not good last year, so mm-hmm. let's not sit there and pretend they were. But Shanahan was beating the pants off that defense with his play calling. He started. I mean, doing- they were just cooking up and down the field. So I sat pretty high, but what Kyle? I guess I'm not. I'm not an expert on play calling. I'm not an expert on defensive schemes or anything like that. But from what it looked like when I where I sat, Kyle was reciprocating what Andy Reid was doing to the Niners. He was stretching them horizontally and vertically, so he had a lot of open space for these passes to be caught for Goodwin, uh, Taylor, or not Taylor. Excuse me, um, Goodwin, and you know the the touchdown to check where he just stretched the off defense horizontally and then vertically. There was no one to cover that space because he was doing those things. Um, so you, you see that from Kyle. When he gets into he can adjust when he has to. If you give him something that he's not ready for, give him a minute, it'll he'll adjust. And he's done that. He's proven that time and time again. It happened last it happened his first season against the Colts. We're getting our butt kicked to the Colts and the last what? Last quarter he makes adjustments. George Kittle takes over the game. Brian Hoyer decides to be a decent quarterback and you know things happen. So um Kyle Kyle's the man. I, I have no quarrels uh, saying what I have to feel about a Kyle there. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it, it was it was a lot of fun to watch Shanahan. Really, the only game we really saw Jimmy Garoppolo get it together and really and really have the ball moving yeah. up down the field. It was nice to see. Yeah, um, but you know, you know, it, I'm not. It's nothing against McVay um, or you know overhyping Shanahan. It's just you know there's there's factors here as to why the Rams are in the Super Bowl versus the Niners being ten and twenty two the last two years. And it's not coaching. It's definitely not coaching. Yeah, it's injuries and talent on either side. So um, I'll say this: that happens to be the situation. I'll say this: Shanahan coaches the Rams in the Super Bowl. They're scoring more than three points. Facts. That's without it. Without question. That's, That's we've seen him do it with the Falcons. Yes. Yep. So um, we'll see how they we'll see how they bounce back. Uh, I think the last thing I wanted to touch on. I don't know if you want to touch on it, but I. I how stupid would the Seahawks be to trade Russell Wilson? That is, that would be, oh man, that would be unbelievable levels of stupidity to trade him. Unheard of. Um, now the report did come out saying that they think he wants to play elsewhere and he's content to just play out his contract and then leave in free agency. If that's the mm-hmm. case, if he's just going to sit there and say like, I'm leaving, then you have to trade him. But if there's any chance that you could sign him to a five-year deal, whatever, to an extension, and you, you trade him anyway, ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Russell Wilson is a top five, top six quarterback in the league. Easy. And it's without question. It's not really that close. I mean, it's – oh, man. he He's the bane of the 49ers fans' existence. Outside of DeForest mm-hmm. Buckner, none of our guys can bring him down. He just slips no. out of Every tackle, he makes incredible throws. He makes receivers look really damn good. And if they were to trade him, man, that's that's going to be crazy. Yeah, that that'll shake up the draft. That would be it because there's reports that, would, that the Giants oh. might want to trade for him. And if the in order to get him, I mean, what do they have to give up? Would it have to be six and seventeen to get him? Yeah, or the, oh yeah, yeah, trade him to Oakland. Trade trade him to Gruden, where we won't have to see him for another four years. That would be fantastic. Yeah, I would not be opposed. I, you know, I think I think Russell is a top three guy um, in the league. People will disagree all they want. There's literally no stat to go opposed to that. Like, Russ is an awesome player. You have have to respect him for it. The thing with Seahawks, though, things have changed since Paul Allen died, uh, the owner. Mm-hmm. So there's there there may not be. Um, they may not be. They they may view things a little bit differently, you know. But um, for the Seahawks to, you know, if, if they do trade him, if that's something that's being considered, you know, God, who God help them, because I think the city of Seattle would, would be up in arms. Um, I don't know who they would get to replace him. You just don't replace a top three, five guy in the draft. You just don't do it. And I don't. I'm not a Kyler Murray believer. Um, I don't think the, the the quarterback in this in the quarterbacks in this draft are going to be anything to you know be super hyped about uh as as far as a replacement um you know i I don't i don't see what they're going to do there i i I feel they're going to re-sign him and keep him and pay him his money you know he's going to get that aaron Rodgers type of money and um and if that you know if that cripples them for a little bit cap salary wise and keeps them out of contention for the division cool great i appreciate it awesome um and if he's not in the division, then you have to assume that it's going to be the Niners and Rams competing for that one or two spot. Because mm-hmm. uh, I don't, you take Russell Wilson off that team, I don't, for one second, believe 
they are as good. Their defense is pretty good, but um, Russell Wilson still made plays regardless of how good the defense was. So you still need a quarterback to make those plays. Russell Wilson might be the only quarterback in the league that could have made plays behind that offensive line he was playing behind. Because he has played behind yeah. an atrocious offensive line for like four years in a row now. And he somehow and makes successful. incredible plays all the time. He's so good at it. Yep. He's so good at it. And I'll tell you what, if they if they trade Russell Wilson and they draft somebody like Dwayne Haskins, Dwayne Haskins is going to get murdered in his rookie year. He is going to he get move crushed. Yeah, well, not according to Stephen A. Smith. But, yeah. no, he is going to get crushed. I think just about any quarterback back there would get crushed. You can't just... You can't, you yeah, can't I mean, just they, put they somebody saw, back they there. Saw, they saw an improvement to their offensive line by adding Dwayne Brown. and But they did, uh, I think... Max, no, Max Unger retired from the Saints. Excuse me, wrong person. But their offensive line, the rest of their offensive line is still in question. Um, they would re- they would require a quarterback that can be mobile somewhat um, to do that. You know, if Pete Carroll can replicate what he did with Russell Wilson, then we have to consider Pete Carroll even a much better coach in, in that respect. But uh, you just don't let a guy of his caliber walk or don't negotiate a fair contract for him. Um, the options for them, obviously, he can play out this last year's contract. They can franchise tag him, and the franchise tag will be at that $32 million amount um, the following year. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but if he if he's traded, I am not going to be sad to see him go. No. I will be ecstatic. Get in the hell out of the division. I'm tired of playing him twice a year. Yeah, go to New York, bro. Go play with Saquon, which would be – I would actually watch. That would be pretty That'd be awesome fun to team. watch. But. That would be fun. Yeah, yeah. It's only held on to OBJ. Yeah, man, we didn't sign these guys to trade them. What are you thinking? <laughs> Gettleman. Oh, um, so yeah, that should so the draft is eleven days away and counting. Um, Game of Thrones comes on tonight. tonight. If you're listening to this, if you're listening to this, Game of Thrones has already passed, and we should have some really cool content in the morning for um, Game of Thrones everywhere. Uh, the Niners will have some more meetings and pre-draft visits coming days. The team will have their uh, off-season workouts tomorrow. Um, and then, of course, their uh, local pro day on the 17th. Um, I'm excited for the draft, as most fans are. Send your questions, your concerns, your comments uh, to Twitter. We do appreciate everyone following myself and Matt. Matt has uh, eclipsed the uh, four-digit mark. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah. I don't know if you knew this. Uh, Matt is a big deal. Um, I'm working on being a big deal, but I'm a dad, so I'm never on my phone as much anymore. Yeah, yeah, so... that's what you get for having a life, man. <laughs> Get, get on get on your kids. phone more often like I do, and then you can have Jesus. You can break a thousand followers. My kids <laughs> driving me nuts, bro. We uh, had a uh, small um, tantrum throwing because Anthony wanted to do some Easter egg coloring, and that's fine. He did it with mom, but he wanted to control the whole mixing and making a mess of the mess of it. So uh, that was a little bit of a fight, but you know, being a parent's fun. It has its perks. There you go. Um, but we'll be back next week. I think next week we're going to do some mock drafts. Yeah. I, I, we, we don't want to do too many mock drafts. We want to just do one final mm-hmm. one and ride that mock draft out until the actual draft gets here. And then we can compare it to how we did. Um, last year I did fairly well. In the first round I hit 28 out of 32 on my own personal thing I did before. Wait, wait, um, like 28 out of 32 round, yeah. players that were picked? In the first, in the first okay, round, yeah. Okay, right. but you didn't have any exact spots. No, no, I had him in the exact spot. No way. I promise you. I wish I, I had you, you had Derwin James at 17. 
Uh, no, that one I had him in Dallas. Excuse me. Mm. So that was the one I, th- I think that was. So those two were wrong. The the Chargers pick and the Cowboys pick were. Yeah, wrong. I'm gonna need to. I'm gonna need to see pictures, and this didn't happen. I got you. Yeah, I'll get it. I, I, I want. I it. want a dated picture. No, I All have right. it. Yeah, okay. I got you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I have it. I sent my text messages. My I sent it to my brother. He was like, "You're you're you're a nutcase." Like, my brothers love football too, but they they don't love it to my extent. They're like, "What do you? Why do you do this to yourself?" I'm like, "I don't know." I just enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I think I think we should have fairly good mock drafts for ourselves. Um, for those of you listeners out there, send your mock drafts to us. We want to see them. Yeah. We want to talk, discuss it, see what can possibly happen. You know, we're not here to uh, ostracize anyone or pick on their deci- you know their choices for players. Um, feel free to send them in. You know, we're down for anything. Um, again, questions, concerns, comments, send those mock drafts in to at forty nine or forty nine. Or at Matt Bar underscore. Um, you can also send it to the podcast uh, Twitter handle at Fourth and Gold Podcast on Twitter. And then if you are an Apple user, or Spotify user, whatever you choose to use for your platform, just hit the follow button, subscribe button, leave a comment, leave a review. We do appreciate it. Um, until next week, uh, we will be back. Uh, Matt, we again, as always, I appreciate you doing this with us. It's only going to get better. Yeah. Um, like anything, more reps would increase our uh, abilities here and, and we'll begin better at this. Yeah, no, I'm so. glad you're off your deathbed, man. It's good. I know, yeah, I know we had that yeah, little bit of a feels delay good. in doing this, but that's why we're back with a longer episode today. Yeah, and if you if you guys out there notice my nasaliness, that's it's it'll be hopefully be gone by next week. Um, but until then, we do appreciate all you guys. Again, give us a follow, subscribe, subscribe um, leave a review, rating, comments, anywhere. We're always down to talk. Um, we do appreciate you. Peace.